And we are back and we are the Run Duo. I am Tommy Mitchell. What's up, guys? I am India Cook. Yes. Did you forget your last name? Because it's going to change. Was- <laughs> that was like, you just, you were like, I'm still. That's I'm what you still should say. India yeah. Cook. I'm still India Cook. I have for not changed na- to India Calloway <laughs> as of yet. You should say for now. <laughs> For now, for now. But I was thinking about saying a joke about my last name, and then it like it sounded lame in my head, so I was just like leave it, leave it, leave it. Girl, we we ain't live. If it if it bomb, we could all we could do it all over again. It's so okay. y'all just no, tell no, your it's jokes. All right. No, no joke. I actually have now like forgot. It was like fleeted. It was one of those things that was real quick. It was like, oh, never mind. And we yeah. are on episode 93. Yes, we are creeping up on 100, Tommy. Yes, the Go big one zero zero. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to, you know, who are we going to interview for the 100th episode? Are we just going to do flashbacks? I feel Maybe like, do- we, yeah, we need to do flashbacks, some like recaps of some crazy stuff that's happened in our episodes. Something. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that. That sounds yeah. good. So what's going on, India? It's been two Listen. weeks. You always have something happening. <laughs> well, to- today I'm sleepy. If you really want to know, today I am tired. So, of course, you all know that I am still, um, I still use Dr. Danny. She was my physical therapist to get me back from being in, from being injured. And I have transitioned to her for run coaching. So I'm still using her for run coaching. She'll be around for some months. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, she got me, every week she challenges me to like, do something different with my training and to figure out what needs to be done differently. And so this week she's like, I need you to give me two morning runs, just just two. Well, let me say this two outside of my long run that typically happens on Saturday. So three Uh morning runs all together because y'all this, my evening runs, my performance is just not peak. And I know it's because of several times. I'm tired from all day working. So mentally, mm-hmm. I've just drained. I've been sitting on my behind in front of a desk for eight hours, which, mm-hmm. you know, your body is just not moving the way that it needs to be. Um, and it's hot. Like, and yes, the weather is getting better, but the humidity and everything is still high. So your body is dragging. So with all those combos, I just been having, I'm not going to say bust because I don't feel like there's a bad workout because if you're moving, you're moving. But I feel like my performance could be better and better executed if I do it in the morning. So I've been challenged to do two plus my long run of mornings. But listen, today, Tommy, I am sleepy. Like usually the the, the hurt and the sleepiness does not hit me until like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm mm-hmm. running early in the morning with Black Girls Run in my area and we take off at six, six o'clock. So I get up at five o'clock to get ready, make it to the spot and get mm-hmm. stretched out and going. But honey, and we're doing, you know, like a 5K or whatever. But when I tell you I am tired, I am tired. So this morning, Tommy, like nine o'clock, I was like, it's only nine o'clock. And I got how many hours to go? <laughs> like how many hours to go? So, you know, it's been really interesting. Um, but trying to figure out, I had I had pulled my Instagram folks. I said, listen, how many hours or what do y'all do to stay awake? Cause I know a lot of morning workout people. I know Heather, your partner mm-hmm. is one. She likes working out in the morning, but I know she go to bed at like six o'clock. So it's yeah, kind of one she... of those things where I'm like, <laughs> 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 I can't go to bed at six o'clock. No, 
Yeah, most of us can't go to bed at six o'clock. Ever, ever lucky, but it's not quite six foot seven or whatever. But anyway, yeah, it is. Nobody, I'm exactly doing something for the evening, let alone getting in the bed. Like I have two more things on my agenda at seven o'clock. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but I do try to get in by ten. Like ten o'clock, I need to be in the bed, like rolled over at ten o'clock. But even ten o'clock, that's not early enough. Yeah, if I'm because um, you know, I, I'm with you on that. It's hard to to get up after being if you up past like eight or nine, mm-hmm. trying to get up at six o'clock in the morning to work out is rough. I maybe six o'clock to take a shower to go to work, but right. trying to get your body going. Energy. Yeah, yeah, that's that yeah. is that is kind of rough. So I understand that. So on my runs, I'm good. But I think the fact that like I once I get home, I'm like, oh, I'm good. But then once I wind down and my body cools off, it's like, girl, are you about to take a nap? Because what we just <laughs> did. So, whew, I know people are like drink water, electrolytes. I'm like, y'all, I did all that. And I'm not a huge like coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like iced coffee. I do drink it. I'm not an everyday coffee need drinker. But this morning, I literally had to get up from my desk and go to Dunkin Donuts and get me some coffee because I was like, <laughs> If not, my head is about to hit this keyboard. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, coffee works. I mean, I'm a I'm a religious coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I drink it basically every morning, and maybe not on the weekends. Right. Which at one point I had stopped because you know you get hooked on coffee and then you don't drink it on like a Saturday and your head is pounding. I don't, and that's so, what I don't have time for. Right. Yeah, but right. I've gotten. I guess I got through that because now, and I don't drink the hard, hard stuff. I drink medium roast, you know, the kind okay. of stuff. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, coffee makes a difference for me. It gets me going in the morning. Yeah, and I mean, I think it may be a go-to for my morning when I do my morning runs. I definitely need it. So I was able to pump through the day today. So that that worked out. But other than that, that's all that's going on in my world. We've started doing a little bit of wedding planning. So I'm excited about that. But mm-hmm. we're, we're slow rolling it. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, slow that's, rolling, no pressure. That's good. Yeah, because uh, actually Heather and I got a couple of weddings we're going to this month. One's in Baltimore and one's here, but nice. you know, one's on a Friday. <laughs> so, which kind of, you know, I'm like, dude, I love y'all. On a Friday. I know it is. <laughs> I, I understand why they're doing it. You ain't got to yeah. tell me why. But I'm just <laughs> like, dude, it's a Friday. You know yeah. how hard it is to get the yeah. buckhead at six o'clock on a Friday? No, listen, it is. And I mentioned to Braxton about a Friday. Some, for some reason, I said something about a Friday and he was like, mm-hmm. you're trying to get off work. That probably ain't going to work. I'm like, yeah, it's... Well, it's they're having a small wedding. So, and I'm sure your wedding going to be look more like, you know, Prince Diane wedding. So... <laughs> You I can't do Friday. Nice, but not <laughs> you can't do. I don't even think you can get a horse-drawn carriage on a Friday. So you, you can't do a Friday. It won't be a Friday. I'll let you guys know my wedding will not take place on a Friday. Has, if any decision has been made, that one has been made. It will not take place on a Friday. <laughs> yes, indeedy. So, but um, yeah, and then we're going we're going to a wedding this weekend up in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to get a chance to go out because uh, we're gonna stay with her mom. Because you know, mm-hmm. if people don't know, Heather's from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna stay with her mom. Mom's gonna watch uh little tray. <laughs> And she, our mom's like, oh, while y'all going, I'm going to take it for a walk. I'm like, woman, you are not about to take my child out of this house. You need to sit down, turn the TV on, and wait for me to get back. <laughs> nothing, you know, nothing against. Have her at her <laughs> She don't know. 
I'm like, you ain't about to be out there trying to catch Trey. You gonna yeah. fall and break a hip. Do not right. do that. Don't don't do that to yourself. Don't, don't do that, do that to yourself. me. And so, because Trey will take off on, and I know. You know how kids are. I and I always knew because I've you know I have nep- nephews and nieces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand how kids think. Kids when they get with somebody new, oh, they, they try gonna you. try exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They gonna try you. He gonna try to get more fruit snacks. He gonna try to see if he, <laughs> you know, can I play with this glass vase? Yeah. Are you gonna stop me? You and tell the me same- no, and I'm and they gonna be like, is it really a no or is it, or is it like no, so, no that I need? I said, you don't want to be out there trying to chase down Trey because you are not going to catch him. But anyway, but I am looking forward to, you know, I'm taking this as a vacation. If I'm off, I'm off work. It's a vacation. And like, well, no, we got to go do this and go do this. All right, long as you don't mind if I'm drunk, because I'm on vacation. Okay, are you gonna try to run while you up there? Or you well, I thought about going into going to the waterfront, but Heather said okay. her mom's house is pretty far. Uh, from that area so yeah. probably not um i'm gonna try to get some morning runs in before we leave you know leading up to it but i doubt i'm gonna get a run in heaven's taking her running shoes so who knows maybe we will you know <laughs> get a run in you know heather's gonna do that last run to make sure she fit in her dress right. uh <laughs> that dress for the wedding um but other than that you know that's all i really got uh going on it's football season. I know my runners out there, some football uh, football fans out there, it's football season. So, you know, my Sundays are taken uh, right. for right now. I don't do Saturdays anymore. I used to do Sunday and Saturday, but I've laid off the college game. I'll just watch the highlights. But pro, I usually, I usually want to watch all day Sunday. Yeah, so just relaxing. Yeah. Good, good. Well, you know what? I did go to, have you, um, I don't know if you all have been out to the Westside Reservoir Park yet? here in Atlanta. Um, That's a new one they just opened? Yes, it's a new mm-hmm. one that they just opened. It's pretty cool, pretty nice to go out there. I know that Westside Run Club is, there's a new run club that's going to be meeting out there at that park. Mm-hmm. And when I went out there to see it, it was a very nice park. I really like it. A lot of area to be able to do um, like picnics and stuff and nice little trail. But honey, please be ready to do some hill work because it is not, there's nothing flat out there. Like I was like, oh, this hill? It was, it, was, it was a lot so just be prepared for that but for those that live in Atlanta um definitely go ahead and check out the west side reservoir uh res- reservoir park um and like I said west side run club is starting they do meet on Thursday morning so at 6 30 a.m so if you're interested definitely check them out westside.runclub on social media so again 6 30 a.m on Thursdays if you're looking for a run group to go go to connect with that's a little hype from my house to be randomly going on a, on a thursday morning at 6 30 but you know i'll pass on the information <laughs> <laughs> have you have you um do you know some of the participants is it um do you know who started it or yeah like that? so um a couple of the atlanta track club ambassadors um, okay you know some people that started it they messaged us and said they were doing it i know danny has been on the, uh dr danny that's been on the show uh, a couple of her people um, more like meet meet out there. So yeah. okay, cool. So definitely cool. check it out. It's worth a look. Again, just follow on Instagram, DM them for any details. But definitely worth getting 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 out there and going to see it. Um, but again, be prepared for nice little Robin Hill. You know, it's crazy though because you were just talking about you know it's a run group and like mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good little ways from my place. And because in Atlanta, like what what is the radius for you? Like how far will you go to get a run in? 
Okay, so let me tell you how I how I, how far I used to go. That has changed <laughs> because when I first started running and I used to meet with movers and pacers, it was a smooth thirty minutes to an hour every time I would meet with them to go meet up with them. However, now was that the morning or was that the Sunday thing that they that used was, to do? That was all of it. Oh really? So that okay. Was Monday on Sundays it was at least thirty minutes. When I used mm-hmm. to meet with them on Tuesdays and Thursdays in the city, it was at least 30, 45 minutes to an hour because of traffic. So I have always lived on the outside of the perimeter. So I'm like, I don't live in the city. I don't want to live in the city. Like that's just not my thing. And so anywhere I drive is it is an easy 30 minutes, but I was very committed to them. I enjoyed them. I had accountability. I had friends. So moving, driving that 30 minutes to an hour to go meet up with them, it was well worth it for me. And then I would stay in the city for a couple hours. Either we would go get, you know, drinks, we would go out to dinner, or sometimes they would have like social events afterwards. So it was worth me hanging out. But now, mm-mm. Like if, if, if I have to drive 30 minutes to meet with you for a run group, I have to plan it. It's purposely planned. And I think also because now I work from home. So me actually taking the time to put clothes on, to get out the house, to go somewhere, like it's just a totally different, it's a different situation. Whereas before I wasn't working from home. So I was already out and about. It was just in my car, change my clothes in a car and just go. Yeah. So my purpose right now is very different. So with that being said, if you see me at a run group participation anywhere downtown, know that it was a lot of effort (laughs) put in (laughs) to come see (laughs) y'all. Exactly. It's just actually because I look at some of the like you know the gentleman we just interviewed for the last one in Detroit. Yeah. I I, you know I'm I'm not from Detroit, but I I know a good little bit about how Detroit set up. It's like those people really travel to get mm-hmm. to those runs. And then that big one in DC, same thing. I know yeah. a little bit about how DC set up. There's a lot of people that take a, you know, drive a long way just to be in that run group. And I was yeah. just wondering like, is it just that in Atlanta, we got so many that, hey, I got to pass three run groups to get to this other one. I might as well just, you know, sit out here and do it. Or you think yeah. maybe that has something to do with it? I well, of it. course, with Black Girls Run, y'all have different locations. Mm-hmm. you know different areas of town so it's not like one big run in one part of the city right like even for my black girls run chapter that i go to right now i'm driving like 18 minutes to get there but that's like mm-hmm. a max you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i'm not early in the morning i'm not doing over 20 minutes like it's just i will run outside but at the same time for me i have to think about if i run outside am i going to be safer and am i am i truly going to get up at six o'clock in the morning to run so mm-hmm. i think when people I think when you, I personally feel like when you do 30 minutes or more to run, there definitely has to be a level of accountability that you love. You have to enjoy the people that you're doing it with. And you have to just really enjoy the experience because you can go anywhere. That 30 minutes could have been your run. Like the travel that you taken to get to that run, you could be done with your run. And I think it also (laughs) depends on your lifestyle. Like if you, when I was running with movers and pacers and I was driving that hour, like I was, I was single. I was coming home to nobody. Like I wasn't doing anything. I don't have kids. So I didn't, I didn't have obligations. It was like, all right, you picking up dinner. Like you good. Like your dinner is on you. You're not worried about yeah. nothing else. But when you got obligations, that 30 minutes or an hour is a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And actually, cause uh, you, like you said, you didn't have kids or you were single. That's true. Like even, even, you know, when and Heather and I got together, I didn't really think about it as much. Helen's pretty independent. She don't, you know, oh, you going running? Okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But like once Trey came along, I was like, damn, so I'm going to drive 30 minutes, run, then you kind of hang out a little bit, get back in the car. You're right. 
I could have just walked out the door, done my four miles, come back, you know, ended up back home, took my shower, and I'm back in, you know, I'm back to life. So I, I agree with you on that, but I do, I do miss the days, you know, when I lived in the city and I could, I would hit, you know, different run groups during the week, Black Men Run, West Side, you know, whoever mm -hmm. uh, during the week. And even if it wasn't a, a special run group, because I was in the city, you always could hook up with somebody. It was always somebody, mm -hmm. hey, I'm about, to, I'm about to run the belt line. Oh, I'm about to go out there too, you know, pace the right. city, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I do, I do miss that. We don't definitely don't have that out here in Tucker. Um, there is a run group out here that Heather goes to, but I don't really, you know, I don't know them like that. So. Yeah, it's different. It's different <laughs> yeah. outside on the outskirts. I think yeah. the difference between, and it's not to say because I feel like in Atlanta, we always talk about the diversity out here. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to Atlanta, there also is a level of on the outskirts, on the outside, out, out the perimeter portions. There are a lot of run clubs in different area, but it's very scheduled. It's not like what you just said, like you got to mm -hmm. step outside. You can just mm -hmm. step outside and there's so many runners everywhere. Like you have to purposely go to a run group outside the perimeter at a particular time in order to like link up with a lot of people. Whereas yeah. in the city, you got trails, you got parks and people are running at all times of the day. And so you're always going to be able to connect with someone. So that's where it is very different. You have to purposely do what you need to do to, to get to a run group, even though there is a level of diversity in a lot of groups. So Yeah, exactly. You I know, I still like get that. You want to do it. Like, exactly. I, I know for me, I'm familiar with a lot of other, I'm a, familiar with a lot of run clubs and people ask me if I'm associated with one. I'm not, I will run with different ones, but I got to jive with y'all. Like I'm not going to spend 30 minutes, drive 30 minutes to feel uncomfortable or drive 30 minutes to, to, to be left behind. Like, I'm just not going to do that. So there's a lot of different things that I feel is incorporated in the fact of finding a run group and, and, and taking that time to travel to get to you. Well, yeah, I'm with you on that because, yeah, I, you know, I've been places where the people weren't very welcoming. And I'm not saying they were being mean, but, you know, they, they got their little clicks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I just won't come back. So I'm right. good. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I could have ran by myself for that. Exactly. Like. <laughs> exactly. But every time I do run with a run group, I do go, dang, I do miss this. This is nice. Too. Yeah. I I, every too. time I, I do. Lie, I do too. Yeah. Because um, I do run by myself quite often out here. Every once in a while. Um, Mark Monroe, we've run together a few times out here, but mm -hmm. other than that, I don't really have anybody else out here, you know, because he doesn't yeah. live far from this area. Yeah, yeah, I do miss when I, I went to uh, run with Movers and Pacers probably like three weeks ago or so. I went out there maybe a month ago. I don't know when it was, mm -hmm. but when Sid Baptista, we interviewed him. But when he was when he was here in Atlanta, I went and he was linking up with Movers and Pacers, so I went and ran with them that Sunday. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh. This not enough for me to keep coming back every Sunday, but I miss this. <laughs> <laughs> I say not every Sunday, but okay. No, no, no. Sundays are my rest day at this point, so that was yeah. like me doing extra for that weekend. But anyway. and then I think also the pandemic has some because you probably didn't oh, see yeah. as many people running together. Mm -hmm. But now it's coming back. You see people. I know I sometimes will be driving, like heading to a an appointment, and I'll see people out running. Like, man, what you do that you running? at this time of day yes. <laughs> that you didn't have to get up at the crack of dawn to Seriously. run. <laughs> I'd be wondering. 
<laughs> like, what do you do for a living? <laughs> yeah. I wonder what that on people on social media. I'd be looking, I'd be like, this, as much as y'all be on social media, con- uh, drafting these reels and doing all this stuff, I'm like, what do you do during the day? Because I just don't have time to do all that. Like, and not saying, you know, not taking anything away from yeah. people in their jobs. But Lord, yeah. I just be like, please tell me where you find the extra time. Because exactly. out. Exactly. And I'd be, like, be trying to get y'all to post today. <laughs> <laughs> you got 12 up. <laughs> like, what are you? And then so you ever see people like, like they, they constantly, they, they all fully critiqued. And I'm like, how did you get all that so together? And you just posted one five minutes ago. But I'm sure, you know, they they time them out. You know, they time them out, I'm sure. Yeah, they they figure it on out. But that's just me being envious of y'all having a lot of time. Let's just say that. Exactly. (laughs) Now, let's talk. um, Now, you and I have been involved with the race. Uh, We've been going to the back back office meetings with them. (laughs) <laughs> but you said you had some stuff that you want to talk to about uh, about the race. Yeah, so I just want to say, so the race, for those that are not aware, is a 5K and a half marathon that takes place here in October in Atlanta. It's on the south side of town, um, and it actually is taking place October 1st through the 3rd, which is in just a couple weeks for, for us. So definitely check out the race. Um, the race underscore UC is the, the name of it. It's actually called the race. Um, and it is for all of us people, for everybody that's out there, but definitely the proceeds and everything goes towards a lot of your minority organizations. Um, the race director, Tess, has continued to put this together. And it's just amazing event. Um, we, For those that are running or racing or people that are coming out of town, volunteers are still needed. So definitely spread the word on that. Um, volunteers on Friday, which is the first. The second is the day of the race. And then the third is the day that there is a after gathering as well as community service. So um, this this race is very different in compared to majority of races is that it's a full weekend of things. So the expos on Friday, on Saturday, you actually have the 5K and a half marathon. And then on Sunday, do, they do community outreach, which means they find organizations in um, the city or in the area that actually allow you to go and do whether it be book bag packing, cleaning up different parks. So we actually do a community service event that is associated with some of the organizations that we're connected with. And I think that is very unique for many races. It's not just a race and go home. If you are here from out of town, you can definitely pick a volunteer event as well to go to. And um, a little birdie told me for those that volunteer, you get a little special something. So you all little take some something, little something, something. <laughs> so y'all take the little time, go on the, the race's website and definitely check out their volunteer options on volunteer community service options on Sunday and just volunteering for the race either on Friday or Saturday if you have time to do that. So definitely check them out. If you volunteer on Friday, you might actually see somebody you know, like India Cook, if she still has that name at that time, as well as Tommy Mitchell. You might might catch a glimpse if you volunteer on uh, Friday at the Expo. Yes, definitely. So we will uh, definitely be there. We got some people we would love to see and holler at. So definitely let us know. And you know what? If you are going to be there or be in town, I know there's a couple of our listeners that are coming in town for the race. Definitely holler at us because we would love to love to chat with you. Exactly. Exactly. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm only doing the 5K this year, but mm-hmm. I'm still looking forward to the atmosphere. It's always good. 
Yes, I am looking forward to it as well. It's always a good time. The expo is going to be completely outside. So for those that are concerned potentially about COVID, everything will be outside. So you'll be able to um, see everything there and, you know, not have to worry about that. There are obviously the DJs, different tents, availability for you all to purchase all kinds of goodies um, and just really have a good time. So yes, yes, indeed. Yes. Good times. Yes, yes, yes. So there's one other thing that I'm looking forward to, Tommy, and that actually starts next week. So um, I, I think we talked about this last year, but I did the Women Run the Vote relay. Um, last year, the proceeds for this relay was a virtual relay. And basically, you collaborate 15 to 20 ladies together to run a virtual relay. Um, it's 907 miles this year. So I developed a team, MFI, which is Miles from India. Um, and I have 20 ladies that's going to be running the 907 miles. And this year, the proceeds for this virtual relay is going to indigenous um, indigenous sovereignty, excuse me, and environmental justice. So basically proceeds to organizations that support indigenous individuals. Last year it was black, it was focused was Black Lives Matter. Um, and within the virtual relay, each person on your team can either do some kind of movement. It doesn't have to be all running, but some kind of movement, whether it is, uh, the bike, a walk, going to Target and getting some stuff while you at like there's definitely a lot of things on a list that you can do for movement. But yeah. what I really appreciate about this this project and it's put on by Wazell and Run Wazell, the company Wazell, as well as Run for All Women, is that they in the process they are educating us about different topics. Um, and so it's not only just obtaining money to go towards organizations, but it also is an education piece. So there's a lot of things that you learn throughout the week. It's a um, seven day process. So from September 20, 20th, 21st through the, excuse me, through the 27th, we'll be running those miles and get educated about indigenous individuals. So cool. excited about that. Definitely go online. If y'all have not signed up, if you're interested, definitely do so. It's not only for women, men can sign up as well. Um, and I know that there's a lot of teams online that are not full. So definitely check them out if you're interested. Cool. Is that what you got Heather hooked yep. up in? I sure did. <laughs> yep. She can get her miles. Heather's on my team. Let's go Heather. Let's go MFI. I got 20 ladies. I'm so excited to get it, get it going. All the physical activity you can. <laughs> yeah, she said, she said, uh, can India call me? I'm going to be in a virtual relay. I'm like, all right, virtual relay. I mean, because, you know, she definitely gets some miles in. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, you know, I was strategic about, well, I mean, of course, I love everybody. But I was strategic about who I was picking because I'm like, listen, I need, if I see you moving all the time, let's go. I need you on my relay because <laughs> I want us to meet our goal. No stress, no pressure. But, you know, it's, it's well, if you're already doing it, you know, if you already moving, yeah, just log the miles in the app, just go ahead and log the miles and moving in the app. And, you know, if you marathon training, it's a little extra for us. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I have seen, yeah, I think, you know, the times that I do get online, I don't, I don't get on social media a whole, whole lot, but when I do, I see, you know, I start to see people training for marathons. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look at this. It's no, almost like old times again. It is like this past weekend, Tommy, like I felt like it was old times. I was seeing people racing back to back. I was seeing medals. Like I was like, yes, like I feel like old times, especially this last weekend. There's some weekends where it's a little quiet, but this mm -hmm. previous weekend, I was like, oh, people, we out here. We are yeah. out here, like yes, races yes. are definitely happening. 
Now, you got a chance to take a look at the real dude that's out there. The yes. real out there. Um, Kipchoge and his uh, documentary. Um, I'm sorry, what is it called? It's the it's the last. It's called Kipchoge, the last milestone. There you go. And of course, we know that's not the last milestone for Kipchoge, but no. that's the name of the documentary. And yes. it basically chronicles his time for the second attempt um, at at uh, breaking two hours running mm -hmm. the marathon distance. Right. And honestly, I go lie. When I first saw that it was coming out, I was like. Kind of, I thought it was too late. You know, I was like, uh, it might have been too late to put this out. To win it exactly. I yeah. yeah. I was like, I thought, okay, is this going to be too late? But I said, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to watch it. Mm -hmm. The main thing I got from it, of course, is Kipchoge is very inspirational. He's yeah. very inspirational dude. The He's whole, so yeah, the whole thing is inspirational. But what I didn't really realize, which I should have, is how big he is in his country. Mm -hmm. He is like a god. Kobe Bryant, Michael yes, Jordan, Michael is. Jackson, LeBron James all rolled into one for that country. I mean, for that attempt, there were there was like mobs of people standing outside watching on mm -hmm. a big screen, you know, mm -hmm. to see him do this attempt. And I was like, wow, that that is really amazing. that's why I think I've mentioned this. That's why I just feel bad that there aren't any really big marathons in his country. So people from his country can see him live, you know, mm -hmm. running, you know, running a marathon or running a world major, you know, that right. sort of thing right on his home soil. But um, I thought it was very inspirational. Um, I, I thought the beginning was better than the the end part because uh, I liked the beginning because it was more about his training. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the Rift Valley, you know, running um, with his with the groups, um, talking to his coaches. You know, and I'm always like, whenever I see somebody who's like really good at what they do, I really want to see that coach. Like, what do you tell them? Okay, mm -hmm. put that foot in front of that foot. But his coach was big time, which <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Yeah, like yeah, his, he I is. Didn't yeah, know his coach is. Tell behind yeah. his coach mm -hmm. either. So I actually like. And before we get further in it. So it's Kipchoge, the last milestone. And you can watch it on YouTube TV, Google Play, Apple TV, Amazon Prime. It is like $5.99 if you already have the subscription, but you can purchase it or rent it for $5.99. I think you can purchase it for $14.99. So for those mm -hmm. that want to go watch it. But I didn't realize, I knew his coach had brand, but I didn't realize kind of like his place and so, or his history. And so to hear about his coach and how basically Kipchoge went to his coach, like, yo, give me a training plan. And Kipchoge's like, I look up to you. And now it's like his coach is like getting him to greatness. But Kipchoge, like they continue to say is Kipchoge is a different breed, not only physically, but mentally. He's just in a different space than everyone. And the fact that he just feels like the grind is what's important. The pain is going to happen. And he's like, there's no limits. Like he literally feels like there's no limits. But you are right, Tommy. Like he is so appreciated and respected in his country and I think it's not I think it's because of his hard work his dedication not motivation he made that clear like it's about his dedication his hard work and just how humble and respectful it is and they say that it's very genuine like it is mm -hmm. something that's put on to be this person it's literally just how he lives his life and that's what I got from it is just you know, the hard work that they put in, like going to these camps and like literally putting in the miles, eating a lot of rice, potatoes and beans and <laughs> getting their workouts in. When they yes. said eat, what he said, they said eat, 
eat, train, what was it? Train, eat, rest, repeat. Like that is their life. And that's what they did. And they work hard for all the success that they've had. Yes, indeed. He is definitely on a different level in that the documentary definitely showed showed Mm -hmm. that um, to me. Um, You know, the second half, that's when they started getting into the actual, they started talking to people who were actually organizing the the two hour, um, you know, the sub, I forgot what they call this one, but um, the sub two hour marathon. And it was really interesting. Um, yeah, how they, it was really interesting how they talked about how they ended, you know, the different locations they were looking at. Um, and it, you know, they ended up in Vienna. It was, you know, cause I actually didn't get to see that one all the way live. Like, I think I saw the end part of it. I watched but, the I whole mean, thing. I was trying to keep my eyes open. <laughs> it was so incredible to see the crowds. So, mm. and I was like, y'all really did pick the right place for that. They were really pumped to have him do it in their country, you know, mm-hmm. on their streets. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that part of it too. Yeah, it was great. I just think it was so, it was so, it was very interesting to watch. It was like cheering in silence. Like it was so crazy to see the cheers are here, like not really hear the cheers because well, the first time and the second time was different, but it's like literally just how, I don't know, just how well executed it is. And like for him, he's like, oh, I'm only a couple seconds off. Like I, I got work to do, but I'm here. I'm going to do this. Like no one else Mm -hmm. is thinking about this. No one else thinks it's possible, but I do. So let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was really excited. And like I always tell people for me to watch something that I know how it ends, it's Mm got to be good. And it was good. It was, yeah, it's got to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was definitely entertaining. So it's definitely worth watching. Especially if you're, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not a fan of anybody, I don't think, but I do enjoy watching Kipchoge run. Yeah. Um, you know, I really enjoyed watching him run in the Olympics, especially after he talked crazy to, uh, what's your boy? <laughs> what's his he name? Galen Rupp. Yeah. After he talked crazy to Galen Rupp, hey, Kipchoge, I'm with you from here on out, bro. I and, love and it. <laughs> I had a little bit of a clarification as to why that exchange happened. Uh-huh. I guess Galen was kind of clipping his heel. And so mm-hmm. Kipchoge was kind of telling him like, bro, either you're going to like move up and like, let's make this a race and come on, or you're going to stop clipping my heels. So yeah. yeah, so that's, that was really interesting. But listen, Kipchoge is always up for a challenge. He's like, bring it, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so it was, yeah. But I mean, I really, like, I really love when Kipchoge runs in a group and then all of a sudden just pulls away. Oh, it's just always yeah. so enjoyable to watch. To yeah. It definitely is amazing to watch because it's one of those things where he looks so smooth with it. He barely grimaces. When he gets closer to the end, he gives you a little smirk. Like it's just, it's just great. It's great <laughs> to see him. It's like he's on autopilot. And when he's done, he's not even breathing hard. And I just be like, how? <laughs> I think he would he would tell you different. I think he would say, No, I am I am like he's he's real quiet. I'm tired. I am breathing. Yes, yes I, I am, am breathing tired. hard. Yes, but his breathing hard and my breathing hard, like I'm about to pass out and have a heart attack, is two different things. Like his breathing hard is like he just walked up the stairs. When my breathing hard is I'm about to pass out and I need to go to Grady. So uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, don't go to Grady. Go to Northside. Don't go to Grady. So Northside, that's probably boring. I don't know why I said Grady, but yeah. yeah. Um, so. But yeah, it's uh, it was it's definitely an entertaining uh, documentary. Um, it's slow in some parts, but basically overall, if you are a, if you somebody who enjoys running, yeah. I think you can pick things up from it. It definitely can be inspirational, uh, mm-hmm. something to kind of motivate you 
to, to yeah. get out if you're getting ready to train for a marathon, something to get you going uh, and get out there and get running. And also, if you didn't see the Ineos, uh, Ineos challenge, like it would be good to watch so that you could see kind of how they pulled it all together. Um, but I definitely watched some of the documentaries on YouTube about it. So there's 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 some of that there, too. But it's really good watch. So definitely go and check that out. I enjoyed it um and definitely want to see more and i can't wait to see what's going to happen um in the next couple months or within 2022 because i feel like something else is brewing so i mean uh so has has he signed up for anything yet i know they have put out some elite groups for some of these world majors but i don't think i've heard his name anywhere I have not heard unless I just missed it, um, mm -hmm. but I feel like I would have known, uh, but I might, I could have just missed, missed some lineups. So, yeah. So I, I'm hoping he runs something. Um, it'd be great if he came and, you know, ran in the States, wouldn't it? Listen, it would be awesome. Like, can I fly to see please? <laughs> I want to see the work in person. Yeah, yeah. It would be great if he was to do that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, anything else going on? No, we just have a great guest that's going to be coming on. Yes. Um, and I can't wait for you all to hear us talking um, to one of our Atlanta Track Club elites. Really, really excited to see her. An Olympian. A two-time. Two-time Olympian. A two-time Olympian. Triple jump. Yes. So um, we're going to bring her on right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to The Run Duo. We have Katora Orji here with us. Olympian, champion, long jump, triple jump, just an amazing individual all around space. And she is also a beloved Atlanta Track Club elite, which y'all know I absolutely adore. So welcome to Katora Orji. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Oh, oh thank you for taking time out of your day. Don't forget she a UGA Bulldog too. So you gotta you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> all day for Atlanta. I'm not like all the way. I'm born and raised in Atlanta, but like I'm not like go dogs all the way. So but I give that to you. I give that to you, girl. I give it you to you. You gotta give her props for UGA, you know. Um I'm not either. I'm a Florida fan, I ain't gonna lie, but still, you know, let's go dogs. Um but hey, we wanted to get you on. Of course, you just had a great experience going to Japan for the Olympics. Olympics. But before we get into that, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got into track and field, how you got into those events as the long jump and the, and the triple jump. Yeah, so I actually started out with gymnastics. Um, I did gymnastics up until eighth grade and was a competitive gymnast, was training for level nine, which level 10 is considered elite. So I was uh, um, pretty deep in competitive gymnastics, but um, at a young age, practicing 20 hours a week, 20 hours a week was just too much for me. And so I transitioned into track and field. Um, and that was because during recess in elementary school, I was always the fastest um, out of all the boys and the girls. Um, looked up to Allison Felix, wanted to be a next sprinter, great sprinter. And so that's what I was doing at first. Um, and then my coach put me in random events. So I started doing long jump my freshman year. I started triple jump my sophomore year. I actually did like shot put, high jump, hurdles. My coach really just threw us in whatever, which is actually pretty wise because it helps us find our find our event and so mm -hmm. um yeah I discovered triple jump my sophomore year of high school and it came really naturally now did you go to school here in Georgia no I'm actually from New Jersey originally okay. okay yeah gotcha so the triple jump I mean long jump pretty simple you run you hit the board you jump triple jump is a little bit more technical because kind of people who don't understand it or have never really watched it tell them how the triple jump works 
Yeah, so the triple jump, um, the approach is pretty much the same as a long jump. You run down the runway and you um, jump at the board, but you're gonna do a hop, step, and a jump. Um, so the hop is landing on the same leg that you take off with. The step is a different leg and the jump is two feet into the sand pit. And whoever jumps the furthest wins the competition. Um, but I think a lot of people think that it's more similar to long jump as in like you can just run down as fast as you can and jump. But with triple jump, you really have to have a controlled speed. You can't just run 100% and expect yourself to stay upright and be able to get through all the phases. And so, um, yeah, that's one thing that I wish I to tell people, like it's not just a sprint down the runway, jump as far as you can. Right. You know what, Tommy, you just said that long jumps seem to be kind of easy and self-explanatory, but when I watch it, it don't look easy at all. <laughs> like, so when I watched it for the Olympics and they zoom into where you all spikes hit the board, mm -hmm. I just think about y'all sliding and that's not to, I hope that does not happen to anyone, but in my mind, that's where I go. It's like, as soon as y'all hit that, it's like a slide. And I would be just so concerned about how y'all propel in the air to then go into the sand yeah you, was I think, that something um, that y'all thought about or you think about that yeah so actually in the rain it has happened some people have gotten injured that way um just because the board's slippery and your foot slides but the important thing is to make sure your foot's coming down like up and down the board you never want to like stick your foot out and like be at an angle at the board as long as you're running up and down you should never slip even if it's wet um so it's something that I've seen before and thought about, but it's never happened to me and I hope it never happens to me. <laughs> yes, I hope it never does either, but that just goes and tell you that it's a lot more technical than we think. Like it's not just hitting the board. Like you have to hit the board a certain way so that you don't get injured. Yeah, and even hitting the board in itself is a science because you have to run down the runway the exact same way each time. And if you're just a little bit off, a few inches, a few centimeters off, then that's a foul. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. So let me ask you this. So why the long jump and the triple jump? You didn't, did you not like the, the like 400 meter, 100, you know, meter uh, tr on the track? What made you zone in on those two um, disciplines? Yeah, I feel like my answer is pretty similar to most people, which is you're just really good at it. Um, <laughs> I joined the track team again to sprint and I wanted to be a sprint. I would have loved to be a 100 meter, 200 meter runner, but I was just way better at the long jump and triple jump. Um, I went to World Youth championships and world junior championships in high school and won a bronze and silver medal on the long jump and triple jump. And I know with my marks in the sprinting, I would not have been able to do that. So it's kind of one of those things where the event really chooses you. Gotcha. Now I know my, you know, this is, I'm old. As you can see, I got a lot of gray. Um, <laughs> back in the day when I did the long jump, my coach was always like, don't, don't leave your best jump in practice. You know, that kind of stuff. Is that still the way it is? Like, do they really like, okay, you don't practice too much because you want to save it for the meet? Um, triple jump, it's hard to do that because you don't ever jump from full approach at practice in the triple jump. So I take 18 steps when I'm jumping like on a, on a meet, at a meet or at a competition. But during practice, the most steps I would take is eight steps. And that's just because triple jump is so hard on the body. And you can't just do that. You can't be practicing 18 step triple jump every week. You would, your body would break apart. And so, um, yeah, it's actually one of those things where you can't even, like I've never jumped my PB at practice because I'm never going from full approach. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and that, the steps, that was, cause that's kind of how you guys time to make sure you hit the board correctly. Mm -hmm. Cause you have to space. So how many steps do you usually do in the long jump? I take 18 steps in both jumps. Okay, gotcha, yeah. okay. And so are you saying, I'm a little confused. So are you saying that you basically, when you're at practice, you don't step as far back to run down the runway? 
Yeah, so I would be closer to okay. the board when I'm at practice. I'm not going all the way back from my competition work. Got it. Okay. Okay. So how do you translate that to competition then? Like, do you do some of those jumps, like maybe one or two at practice or you just never hit that max? No, I think it's just a combination. So we do do approaches at practice and approaches is literally, I run the full 18 step approach, but I don't take off or sometimes I'll take off and do the first phase, but not the second and third phase. And so um, I think you have to combine kind of like you did, you've done your approach and you've done some short short approach jumps and you just put it together. It doesn't yeah. always translate though. Sometimes you have really great short, short approach jump practices and you're feeling good and then you go from full approach and you're jumping the same distance that you jumped at practice from the shorter right. approach. So it, it definitely gets really technical when right. you get down. Well, you know what, you know what I think about um, Katora is um, Tommy and I are marathoners. And so we think, I think about distance running. Like when you're training for a marathon, you don't max, you don't do 26.2 yeah. miles in training. <laughs> you know, we usually max out 2022. 20, and a lot of people ask us like, well, how the hell do you get to 26.2? And, and on race day when you've never run that and it's like listen you got to just trust trust the <laughs> training and do what you do and know that you will be okay so that makes sense I just yeah. you know thank you for the education <laughs> well that was a great comparison I've never heard that so I'm going to use that now. yes 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 definitely use it definitely use it <laughs> now besides on the track training do you is there anything else that you do like as far as stretching because I'm you know especially with a triple jump I would think that stretching and you know being flexible is very important or the the weight room that sort of thing yeah doing weight room um I think most track athletes do weight room but it's really important especially for triple jump because when you're coming down on your one leg that you come back down to the ground on it's putting like eight to nine times your body weight so you have to be extremely mm -hmm. strong to to take on all of that weight onto one leg um, so like step ups or anything one leg drills or one leg weightlifting um exercises are really important for our sport and then I do stretch when I warm up but I also think a piece of that is just me being a gymnast and mm -hmm. liking to, I've, I just got into the rhythm of when I warm up, I always stretch. And so doing gymnastics for so many years, when I started track, I still felt like I had to stretch always before. Yeah. Do you still dibble and dab in gymnastics at all? I don't. I can still flip okay. around like every once in a while, I'll flip around. But yeah, I, I don't really do You're like, I don't want to hurt myself and then jeopardize my career. <laughs> Come on, when you, so are you saying when you win a medal, you don't run across the field and do it, you know, triple cow cow and land? I do not. <laughs> I mean, if you see me compete, I'm actually pretty reserved and my celebrations are not really out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I definitely get it like I but I would I could imagine what Tommy just said like one day just busting out some flips and people are like what just happened <laughs> yeah so you mentioned that in your earlier years with doing gymnastics you had 20 um 20 hours of training a week usually how does that translate now like what's your training look like now um with being a triple and long jumper yeah, um, I think I think it could be comparable now, um, okay. especially as a professional athlete. I think in college, because of the restrictions of training, we didn't train maximum hours. Like, I, I don't know what the limit was, but um, practices definitely had to be shortened versus now with my professional coach, um, we'll take our time to do all the small drills that we need to. Like, there's no need to rush through practice. We'll take our time. And so I don't really know how many hours a week specifically we do, but it's probably comparable to 20 hours a week. Um, yeah, because we take our time at practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which totally now, makes sense. When did you become, and just to kind of confirm, so what? when did you become professional? I don't know. When did you graduate from UGA? Yeah, I graduated, UGA? I graduated from UGA in 2018. And so my first professional season was 2019. 
And how is it being a professional track athlete as opposed to a college track athlete? I mean, outside the training and stuff, but just living your life, what, what's the big difference? Yeah, I think the biggest difference is there's not structure. Like you have to structure everything yourself. Um, in college, you have your coaches telling you that practice is at this time. And then you have your appointment with the um, athletic trainer at this time. You have weights at this time. You have classes at this time. Like everything's structured. You have study hall at this time. But as a professional athlete, it's really a free-for-all. Like you decide when you want to go get treatment or even if you want to get treatment, no one's going to force you to go get a massage or go meet with the athletic trainer or go see a physical therapist. Like that's up to you. Um, practice, yeah, again, practices, you can kind of decide the time. Don't want to wake up earlier, do this earlier. I don't have classes, so I can go earlier or later um, and really figuring out what works for you. So I think that's the hardest thing and creating that structure for yourself and also learning to invest the money you make into yourself because when I first, I'm, I'm a frugal person. So when I first went pro, all the money I was making, I was like, I just want to keep it all. Like, it's for me. <laughs> but right. you also have to learn that like spending money on massages and physical therapy and all that, it really does pay off and it's beneficial. Or like if you want to upgrade on a flight to a competition, like that may help you perform better, which makes you, which helps you make more money. So like trying to think of it in a way of like, you are the business invest in yourself versus just trying to make money and keep it all. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, now, of course, most the, the average person looks at track and field. The big time is the Olympics, of course. That's when we all, you know, tune in the Olympics, the world championships. What goes besides the world championships and the Olympics? Talk about the, the meets that you go to. Are you usually in Europe? Where are you where are you going to these different meets? Yeah. So usually in Europe, because they pay the best for <laughs> most of the meets. Um, <laughs> and it's called the Diamond League Series It's the top series that people will go to. Um, it just meets all around European countries. I think there's usually one in Africa. There's usually one in America and maybe one in Asia too. Um, and yeah, and there's a prize money bracket so that if you finish first, you get a certain amount, finish second, third, fourth, and so on. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really how my season goes. There's usually a USA championships or Olympic trials that year too, where you can make some prize money. Um, and I know that American track league, um, is trying to start like a series in America, which I would love because it mm. really sucks to travel to Europe all the time, the long flights and the time change, trying to compete when Adjusting. your body's like, isn't it bedtime? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's difficult, but I'm hoping that the American track league series will really pick up. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that would be, that definitely would be nice so we could see our athletes here in the U.S. because you're right, it's it's all Diamond League is usually, and we'll see it on TV, but very rarely we get to see you guys in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. So if you were not a pro track and field star right now, what would you be doing? <laughs> is this... Is this like realistically or is this like if I was just like if I could give me both realistically and then give me if it was just whatever you could do no limits. Okay, so my favorite sport is actually volleyball. So I would love mm. to be a professional volleyball player. I don't know how much money they make, but I know <laughs> I know I'd have so much fun just because I could play volleyball all day. There were Saturdays in college where I would go to um, like this pool and there was a, um, like a pit, um, not a pit, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of jumping. It's okay. Like a, um, a volleyball net set up and uh -huh. I would play like all day, like random people would come in and out and I would just play all day. So volleyball is my unrealistic, <laughs> unrealistic thing I would do. Um, if not, I would do some type of financial services, financial literacy, financial coaching. Um, my degree, my undergraduate degrees, um, in financial planning, I'm actually working on a master's in accounting. Um, I'm just super passionate about like empowering people to make decisions that like 
are intentional and will help them to like achieve their goals because especially when I was younger, I think I saw a lot of people, especially people of color, not really understanding the financial jargon or um, like the way their decisions can affect their future and then kind of digging themselves into a hole. And so when I learned everything in college, I was like, why doesn't everyone know? Everyone needs to know this, like mm-hmm. this is amazing. And so I want other people to experience that, that what I experienced, yeah. And just be able to understand like, you can make decisions today that will really impact your future. No, seriously. I think that financial literacy needs to be taught in like starting in elementary school. Like it, there's so many things that need to be taught. Like, I feel like there's some things that can be removed, but financial literacy needs to be added. <laughs> yes, for I sure. Like, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. Get, get the country out of debt. Yeah, that's what we need. To, that's definitely what we need to do. Well, that's, that's some great, that's great to inspire to. Uh, volleyball is fun. I give it to you. I, 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 in my younger days when I could jump, yeah, I used to enjoy uh, some, some volleyball. I'm from Florida so we used to play on the beach a lot so mm-hmm. um I, I get where you're coming from with the volleyball now you just had a great trip you got to you went to japan kind of start us out from the olympic trials and take us to japan and your experiences and and that sort of thing kind of kind of walk us through that that process yeah so going into the trials um honestly this entire 2020 2021 season <laughs> um has been like a struggle with my confidence I had to like start meeting with uh well I didn't have to I chose to start meeting with um a sports psychologist because I had changed coaches and um I had jumped really well in the beginning of the year broke the American record was really on 100 Mm -hmm. like this is going to be a great year and it's the Olympics right like let's go (laughs) I could be the first American woman to medal in my event like really was on a high Mm-hmm. And then slowly things just started declining and getting worse and worse. And so going into the trials, um, I had confidence that I would make the team just because my event is one of the weaker events in America. And so the level I'm at, even when I'm, even when I have like a bad or average day, I know I can still perform well and make that team. And so I, I felt confident about making the team, but I also wanted to defend my title because I had won the trials in 2016 and also just wanted to jump well, like going into the Olympics, everyone wants to like be <laughs> on top. And so... Right. Um, I went in not so confident, ended up jumping the furthest I had jumped since that American record jump. So like I was kind of back on the up and up, was really excited to make another Olympic team, but it didn't, it didn't feel the same way as the first time because the first time I was young and I was just like, I just want to make a team. I don't care how I do there. Like there were really no expectations. I just want to be an Olympian. This time around, it was like, okay, I made the team, but like I have other goals that I want to accomplish. And so mm-hmm. Um, I competed one more time after the trials and actually it kind of like tweaked my fibular head. It just was hurting a little bit from one of my jumps and going in again, struggling with confidence. Sports psych is trying to tell me like, don't focus on all that stuff. Just focus on what you can control. Um, and so I qualified, (laughs) qualified for the finals in Tokyo, um, in not so good fashion, but that's the same way I qualified in 2016. So I was kind of like, shake it off. It'll be okay. Then I ended up finishing seventh at the Olympics, which I was not happy with. I definitely would have preferred a top five finish. And I had finished fourth in 2016. So yeah, I was definitely looking to medal. Um, But I think um, the experience was still so great. Um, Actually, we weren't able to choose roommates this year because of COVID, but I actually Mm -hmm. ended up rooming with my college roommate, which is who I roomed with in 2016 too. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, got really lucky to have um, my same roommate. The gear that we got was amazing as always. Tokyo was beautiful, great weather. And I think we had more freedom than I expected. We couldn't leave the village, but I thought it was kind of going to be like to go plates, go back to your room, stay in your room the whole time. I thought it was going to be more constricted. So I feel like it was a good balance of 
obviously we couldn't go out of the village and explore, but still like some freedom to do what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, so I, I still enjoyed it. I had fun, wanted to do better, but that's that's track and field, that's sport. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I got well, you. definitely kudos to you for making the decision to get a sports psychologist. I think that that is what more athletes should opt to do um, and more humans in general, not even just athletes, but like get the service. <laughs> we all need it, regardless of what's going on with us, we all need it. So definitely kudos to you. Um, how was it, I guess, during the, when COVID was, or it still is really thick, but like last year in 2020, I know you mentioned that being a pro athlete, you have to kind of make your own schedule and you have to you have to in you have to formulate the structure. So how was it for you being that life shifted? Like things shifted, the Olympics time changed around. How was that pivot for you? Yeah, it was really all over the place. Um <laughs> because I went into 2020 thinking, okay, it's Olympic year. I also this was the year that I originally changed coaches. Um yeah, so I had my new coach, but then when everything started closing, quarantine um tracks were closed weight rooms were closed literally you couldn't get any go anywhere to train um I actually went and stayed with my sister and I usually don't get to see my family that often during the season because I'm always traveling training whatever it is so it was nice to get someone on one time with my sister um but you really had to get creative with workouts there was nothing on the schedule no competition the schedule so lost motivation because sometimes I'm like okay, I can get up and do a hill workout today because there's a hill that's next to my sister's place. But at the end of the day, what is this doing for me? Like, there's no Olympics, there's no Diamond League, there's no USA. Right. Like, what am I doing this hill for today? And so mm -hmm. um, definitely a loss of motivation, but um, I stuck through it, had to do different, I bought some weights for at-home lifting. Um, yeah, I was doing hills, was doing stadiums, like anywhere I could find stairs, right. um, stairs. Yeah, really just doing whatever I could to Being just creative. Be, yeah, because there was no, comp it's not like I needed to triple jump and it's not like I could triple jump because there's no sand that's open. Um, right. Yeah, I just have to try and stay in shape. Right. And I think that that is probably the best for everyone. Like everyone had to pivot and figure out what was the best for them. Um, how are you pivoting now? Like, I think that as an athlete, or if I was to the point of where I could be pro, I think a lot of athletes don't talk about what does it look like after the Olympics? Like the glory of going to the Olympics has now happened, you know, either, I mean, whatever the outcome of it was, it's kind of like, well, what's next? Like, what, what am I excited about next? And how do I process forward? Like now that the Olympics are over, how are you processing through that? Yeah, I think both times I um, processed it pretty well after I was really happy after 2016, especially because mm -hmm. I went in, I think ranked like maybe 10th and finished mm -hmm. fourth and broke the American record. And at that point, I really was just like, I'm here because I'm an Olympian. I wasn't really trying to do anything. So um, yeah, I've I've heard a lot more this year. I'd never heard it before, but I guess like there's a lot of like depression and sadness that comes after the Olympics, even for people who do really well, um, which I've never heard that before. Um, but for me, I think because my, not only my parents, but just my faith has always stressed to me that like I am more than my sport and I am more than my accomplishments and failures and my identity is not in triple jump or track and field. Like I know who I am even, if I was to stop triple jump today, I still know who I am and what I can do. And my other talents is outside of sport. And so I feel like that has really helped me to process 
through all the bad days, the good days, just kind of stay level-headed with everything and know that this isn't who I am and this doesn't define me. Um, and there are things much more important than like in life and sport. Listen, that is so powerful. Just yeah. everything that you just said is, is so powerful and it's so true. And I think as athletes and even as amateur athletes like Tommy and I, there are a lot of people that engulf our, we engulf ourselves in the sport or into running, et cetera. And it's like when running is taken away from you, it really is like, who are you outside of running? You know, I eat like, say for instance, one of we get, or I get injured all the same as if I get injured, like, what do you do when you're injured now? Like, how do you, if running is your outlet or jumping is your outlet and now you don't have that, like, how do you process through that? So I think it's very important to have that faith and to have the family and the support that you have and the knowledge to know that you are more than just a sport, even though with the sport, you are even more amazing than you are. <laughs> exactly. So what is next for you? Um, now, you know, the Olympics are over. What, what's your next thing? Yeah, so I'm still going to be training um, for 20, well, right now I'm in off season, so I'm like resting and everything, uh, meeting with a physical therapist too about the fibular head injury I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to go back to training again in 2022 for the world championships that'll be in Oregon. Um, but aside from that, I have a blog that I write financial literacy blogs on. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I also have like blogs about natural hair, um, confidence, really just things that I feel like should be shared um, with other people. Like sometimes we go through things or we struggle with things and no one shares it. And so we're all going through the same issues, but we're think we think we're alone in it. Mm -hmm. And so like my natural hair journey, I know in high school, I hated my natural hair and now I like love my natural hair. So I was like, I want to write about the journey through this. Um, yeah. And then financial literacy, I already talked about my passion for that. I have a letter to student athletes um, just for any high school athletes that are getting recruited or don't know how to select the school. They can, read about my experience and what I learned throughout college athletics. So I do write a blog and then I do kind of want to start a, a side hustle kind of thing where I am meeting with people about like financial coaching or some type of financial um, meetings with people because I have done it with two couples already and mm -hmm. it's really helped them and I've really enjoyed it. And so I want to, yeah, I want to start making it more of a thing that I do versus just doing it for free. Like I feel like I can definitely change impact people's lives with it. So you will. Yes, you will. Most. Speak it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> now, is your plan to, to, to go another four years or is it going to be three? I don't know how they're going to do gonna this. Be yeah. It's it, going to be three. Yeah. yeah. So are you planning on going another three years and in, in, in going for the Olympics again? Yes, I am. I'm only 25 right now. And I think the triple jump, the female triple jump peaking age is around 30. Oh, so I'm okay. gonna, yeah. Unless I start, unless I stop making money, or <laughs> I really hate it, I probably will keep going at least until thirty. So okay, okay. Well, she said that with confidence. So she said, "Yes, I am. I am only, <laughs> I am only twenty five. Right, okay. I still got it in me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I can't give up yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is really, really great. Um. I mean, I'm in awe of you. And, you yeah. know, you, you went in 2016, you went this past year, you're going, I mean, I'm sure you'll, you'll go again because it sounds like you're at the top of your game. Um, I'm in awe of you. Uh, and mm -hmm. then you have so many other things going on. Let me ask you this. So since you did, you know, you're going to talk to other guys about, you know, picking schools. How did you pick UGA? Because you're from New Jersey. So how did you end up in the South? 
Yeah, so I didn't want to go to a warm school. So in New Jersey, um, it snows. I don't know. I don't know where everyone's from that's listening, but in New Jersey, it snows and it gets very cold. Mm -hmm. And my high school did not have an indoor track, which means most of the time we were training outside mm. in those frigid temperatures with cold wind blowing in our faces. <laughs> um, so after those four years of experience in high school, I was like, I need to go somewhere warm or an indoor track because I can't do this. Um, <laughs> But I had a whole bunch of whole home visits with um, college coaches um, and they were just trying to sell their school to me and their coaching programs and what they could help me do. Um, and so I visited UGA, University of Florida, Clemson, Kansas and Mizzou. And I chose that off of really who the um, coaches had coached in the past. Um, if I see previous success in the triple jump, then I was like, OK, I feel like I can trust this. Um, and so then I visited the five schools and really automatically connected with the teammates um, that, that were at UGA already, like automatic connection. Some of them like loved volleyball. We played volleyball on my visit. Like it was just a really authentic connection with some of the girls there immediately. And so I knew that that's where I wanted to go on top of the coach, um, telling me that he could help me achieve my goals and me just trusting that his program was really going to be the best for me. And I wouldn't change the decision because I went to the Olympics as a sophomore in college. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and was it culture shock going from New Jersey to the South? It wasn't. Um, I, I've heard of Southern hospitality, so that was one thing that I definitely noticed because in New Jersey, we're very like, this is my lane. Don't talk to me. I don't know you. Hi, how are you? Bye. That's very much New Jersey. <laughs> um, I definitely have to get used to like people trying to have conversations for every single thing. Um, but I love love the weather. Once I experienced the weather, I was like, a lot of people live in New Jersey. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I asked so. you that because I went from I'm like I said, I'm from Florida. I went from Florida and I went to school in DC. And like you said, I'm used to people, hey, how you doing? Man, they weren't trying to say nothing to you in DC. They me mugging you. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> so I was just wondering if you, you felt that that different culture shock. Yeah, I'm sure it's worse going from south to north. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm born and raised in Atlanta, and when I go up north, I'm like, y'all salty about everything. I'm like, like y'all need a massage and a bigger place to live and get some ice cream. Like, y'all are really, like, everything, they just mad about everything. Like, We're not mad, just though. Chill. <laughs> like, one thing I noticed, too, is y'all don't, so I used to honk here, but my husband, Keisha, was like, you can't honk. I'm like, why? I'm like, that's rude. I'm like, it's not rude. I'm just telling like the lights green you haven't gone I'm just telling Yo. you to go <laughs> honking in Atlanta like honking in the south is totally different it's rude it would get you cussed out like people <laughs> like, take honking in a totally different way down here <laughs> yeah I don't like it because I like if, if you're not going and the lights green I want to honk <laughs> yeah and then and when I've gone to Jersey or New York it's 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 very sensory overload for me because I feel like that's all you hear is honking it's like honking people <laughs> talking loud doing different things I'm like oh my god it's like y'all just <laughs> yes definitely definitely a difference well, I do have another question because you're an Olympian and I'm, I'm just gonna get up all my questions out um, okay you fine because <laughs> you know we read about the, all the drug testing is it as bad as they say it is as far as like you got to know exactly where you are at every moment and every time of the day Great question. It <laughs> is. <laughs> so the way it works is you have to go online and log where you're going to be every day and at least have six, a 60 minute window where you can get tested. So um, my 60 minute, my 60 minute window is usually like 7am to 8am. Cause I know I'm probably going to still be in bed. They'll knock on the door. They'll come, but you don't know when they're coming and they cannot call. So you could, you could, they could just show up knocking. You don't hear the door. Then that's a missed drug test. 
Or you could be at your friend's place and you decide like, oh, I'm just gonna sleep over and you forget to change your seven minute, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. window and you're still at your friend's place and they come knocking on your door and you're not there and that's a missed test. So like a lot of, I feel like a lot of the public is easy to be harsh on people when they have missed tests, mm-hmm. but it's way, it's way easier to have missed tests than people think, especially if you're one of the top athletes in the world and they're testing you consistently. Because yeah. that means, yeah, we all get three missed tests for one year. But it's like, if you get tested a hundred times, three missed tests is not as fair as if I only get tested five times. I was just about to say out of a year, that's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely hard. <laughs> it's definitely hard. But you, you have to be, yeah, you have to be on top of it. And I have a text message that comes to me every night that tells me where I'm going to be tomorrow. Just so I make sure like, okay, it says the right place because it can, you can literally make plans like this and not in your head be thinking, my, my drug testing window is at that time. I have to change it. Like, it's not the first thing that pops into your mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do I mean, I guess, do you just say, hey, I'm retiring and they get you off the list or how did they, they stop, you know, looking yeah, for you? Yeah, once you retire, you can, you can ask them to move from the list. Okay, I got yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want, you know, they, you at your anniversary dinner and they showing like, dude, I'm, I'm retired. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't stay in there forever. <laughs> right. And once you became pro, I guess, uh, did you talk about like the shift around the drug testing, I guess, like having to know, like you have to be really cognizant and careful about anything that you ingest. Like, was that something that you had to learn more about? Or did you just say, you know what, I just know that I'm an athlete, I'm getting paid for this and I have to be careful about every single thing, even like topical items and creams and things of that nature. Yeah, I don't take many. There's a lot of people who take a lot of supplements and things like that, but I'm not big on that. I don't even like okay. taking ibuprofen on pain. So I'm, I'm not big on pills or anything. I take iron and vitamin D and that's because my blood showed that I was low in those things. Um, right. Yeah, so I've never really had to be super on top of like, oh, what am I, what am I ingesting today? Or what am I putting like, I... Yeah, I'm pretty basic with what I keep. And we have nutritionists. There's Team USA nutritionists mm-hmm. and USA Track and Field nutritionists that'll help us and uh, make sure like you buy pills that are like NSF certified because I think it's like sport certified and they try to make sure that there's no contamination of things that would um, come up as a, t- a positive test. So mm-hmm. um, there's like little things that we learn along the way, but overall, I don't take much. I haven't had to be like super, super careful about it. Yeah. It's like when you see all these like stories and stuff that come out, it's like, I, in my mind, I'm like, it wouldn't have to be stressful to make sure, (laughs) make sure that you don't get caught up. And I mean, I know that, I mean, there's some people that do it intentionally, but there's some people that just unintentionally get caught up in it. Um, And I just, I just wanted to ask that because I know as an athlete, I don't, I know some people maybe stress about it more than others. And in in your situation, probably less because you're not, you're not into medications and, and supplements. So but yeah, that totally makes sense. Some of the rare cases have been like beef, like at a at a taco stand or beef in Mexico. Right. Like it's been random meat sometimes where it's just like I went out to dinner and I tested positive because of some type of injection into the, the animal. So yeah. those are like the really rare cases. And I try not to let those bother me because I'm gonna have to stop eating meat. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, do you think about that when you go out to eat? I would be like worried about everything I eat. See? Yeah, I, I gotta eat meat, so. <laughs> right, listen, I'll be talking to my sports psychologist about that, like, listen, I need this meat over here, but I am worried about this. <laughs> that would definitely be something that would come up in my mind. That is so funny. Well, Couture, we definitely have talked to you about a, a lot of things, and it's just been amazing and refreshing to hear your story and hear more about you. Is there anything else that's coming up or anything that we missed that you would like to tell our listeners? 
Um, I just want to drop my social media handles in there. So yes, please do. Um, first, I'll start with my website, which is www.katoraorgy.com. And my name is spelled K-E-T-U-R-A-H-O-R-J-I.com. And so that's where the blogs are found. And you can also find my competition schedule on there if you're trying to follow me. And then on Instagram, my at name is K-T-O-R-R-1. Um, and my Twitter is at Katora Orgy. So that's, again, just my first and last name that I spelled earlier. So if you want to follow nice. my journey um, to world championships and much more, then you can catch me there. Yeah, I'll definitely go follow her for sure. For, for sure. sure. And last thing before you go, if there are any um, people that are up and coming or interested in becoming a long jump and or a long jump or triple jumper, what advice would you give them? <laughs> Um, the first advice I always start with, which I already stressed before, but that you are more than your score and you are more than your accomplishments and failures. So don't ever define yourself by this one talent that you have. You have so many talents. You can do so much more. You don't accomplish the goals you want. That's okay. There are so many other things that you're really good at. So really, first of all, just explore all the avenues of things that you can do. Um, my second thing would be to not focus. If you're younger, don't focus on technique too much. Uh, just work on your speed. Um, and making sure like you're in the right position. So like chest up, knees up, really that will carry you a lot more than trying to focus on the little things um, that you really hone in on when you're older. Um, so yeah, those, those are my two pieces of advice. Awesome. Thank you, yes. thank you, thank you. Exactly. I might go to the track tonight. See if I can Listen, go jump. <laughs> I love to hear that. <laughs> Let me see if I can go triple jump. Let me For a thoughtful uh, he be out here injured. I have to exactly. email you be like, girl, he went it out there after kneecap. this podcast and now he is struggling. <laughs> I can tell you one thing I'm not doing when I'm done with track. I'm going to the track. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And exactly. he needs to be done with it. <laughs> no, I saw your Twitter. I think you said people are, people are missing the track after one week. You were like, nah, that ain't me. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Off season, I don't want to see the track. <laughs> I know that's right. You need that separation though. Like, cause I think one off season, like you eat, sleep and drink the track. So like in, in practice, it's like, you need a minute. I totally exactly. get that. Exactly. Yeah. But awesome. once again, thank you for taking time out of your day to speak with us. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of followers from this because very interesting <laughs> to talk with you. You're definitely not just your sport. You're definitely an interesting young lady. Thank yes, you so much. Sure. Thank you for having me. Of course. What a great conversation. Listen, she is amazing. I've been seeing her pop up on social media and of course watched her a little bit at the Olympics, but amazing conversation, great personality and great perspective on life in general. So very yeah. good to talk to you, Katora. I love talking to people whose whole life isn't one thing. Like they, they're very well balanced. And that I, th I definitely think that she's a well-balanced person. Might have to hit her up for some financial information I down the line, you know, because it yeah. uh, sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Exactly. And we can't wait to see you um, do more. And we hope that you are enjoying your family time because we know you're getting it in. But thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. And again, congratulations on being a two-time Olympian and all of the greatness that you have going on. And we look forward to seeing more from you. Exactly. Now, India, if they want to hit you up so they can get a save the date card, um, <laughs> how can Don't they do that? Limited. <laughs> Listen, doing that guest list is like it's fire. <laughs> oh, you ain't got to put me on that. I'm just gonna be there. So you ain't got to send us nothing. We <laughs> uh, look. I'll be in the back. Look, come on. <laughs> You, Heather, and Trey have got to be in no, the No, Trey wouldn't. No, do not send one for Trey. He would not be in the big. What? Okay. We All right. Talk. If, 
Anyway, <laughs> if uh, if you all want to connect with me, you can hit me up on um, on Instagram at i underscore of underscore indigo underscore runs. So I am indigo runs or miles from India. Milesfromindia.com is my website, and you can email me at milesfromindia at gmail.com. And you can hit me up at tmitch68 on Instagram and email me at Thomas W. Mitchell, the number two at gmail.com. All right. We'll see y'all in another couple weeks. All right. Peace.